3: to the Business of the Business podcast. I am your host, GP, John Posman, the two-man power trip of wrestling. And of course, my co-host, Mr. Trump Mania himself, Mr.
2: Lavi Margolin. Lavi, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. I'm back from Dutch Wonderland in Lancaster, uh, PA. Um, we uh, avoided the hurricane and we're good to go.
3: Is there like electronics over there or is it specifically all kind of... uh old school Amish country over there. That's what I think of when I think of Dutch to the old Dutch country.
2: No, right. That's a good question. So there's definitely that representation there, but there's like a whole, like the strip where we were, it was across the street from like this big amusement park, the uh, Dutch wonderland. And, um, you know, it's like all these like strip malls are like, there was a big like outlet center. So like TGI Fridays and, and everything like that. But it's interesting. Um, Most of the restaurants are understaffed, they can't find workers. So, like, you'd be like, Okay, we're hungry, let's go into TGI Fridays, and they'll be like, It's a 45 minute wait, and there's no, there's only like three tables that are full just because they only have one or two servers.
3: Ah, interesting. It is kind of uh, seems like that's a problem everywhere now with uh, less and less help, less and less workers. I feel like that's a big problem moving forward.
2: Yeah, we need more workers, more boys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I didn't notice it in, in New York City, um, but uh, I, I had heard about it being an issue um, across the country. And that was like the first time that I really saw that.
3: With, you know, everything going on in the outside world, who cares, right? I mean, forget about that stuff. Huh, who cares? <laughs> Let's talk about the most important thing, the wrestling world, the, the business of the wrestling world, right? I mean, isn't, isn't that the most important thing when you
2: really sit down and think about it? Of course, you know, it's it's a great escape, like whatever big news is going on. Sometimes my wife asks me, I'm like, no, I'm just uh, calculating the, the attendance for the uh, pro wrestling promotion for the last six weeks. Nothing too uh, too much, but it's, it's a good escape, especially during hard times, and if it's your... Uh, favorite hobby and um, pastime like us, then uh, then come aboard.
3: With everything going on, let's talk about the post-pandemic non-WB domestic pro wrestling attendance. I love that long title. It feels like the AEW side of things is really doing well, really hitting out of the park. We were talking a little bit off at Air Rampage, 16,000 tickets in the United Center. CM Punk's debut, pretty damn good. And I mean, that should be a good helper going forward. It should be a, a nice little boost for them. Any of the towns that they were having problems with, you know, I think that uh, Punk might be in town. You're going to get a little bit of a surge in tickets.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Like, WrestleTicks had, um, they were watching closely Milwaukee, which was um, just uh, last night as we we're recording this. And um, I think the ticket sales increased by a third. It was like, 1300 seats so maybe a little less than a third where they finished uh uh, a little bit under 5000 which was a big pickup like it looked like um august was going to be a down month for the company i had written a whole article about it right before they announced the united center show and then it kind of flipped it on its head and uh Certainly, with a show like that, I think the average will be higher in in August than July. It looked like the big month was going to be September, so it's definitely interesting to watch. You know, as a as a big company, AEW keeps uh, pulling uh, new tricks out of their hat.
3: Yeah, Punk was a good one. I know you said you got to watch Rampage. Obviously, you're on vacation, you missed it. I watched it live, and then I actually went back and watched it again because sometimes you watch it one time, and you're like, okay. I got the sense and the general reaction was like, okay, that was one of the biggest pops I ever heard. The crowd was nuts, but I was like, oh, maybe I'm nuts. So I'll go back and watch it. Let me see. And I got the same thing twice. Like, okay, it was, one of the, <laughs> it was one of the loudest pops. I had to get some clarification for myself. I'm like, yep, okay, I wasn't dreaming. Like, uh, that was awesome. It was quite a damn uh, reaction. You hope that leads to more ticket sales just by, like, the good feeling nature of it.
2: Yeah, no, it definitely, you know, creates buzz, it puts it, you know, on the radar, again, for everyone, like, they're obviously very solidified as the number two company, but sort of the feeling that I have is that they have more momentum than WWE. So like, you have all these established fans that are casual, so they'll know John Cena and Roman Reigns. So something like that would take years and years to change. But for people that are really watching closely, a lot of people are enjoying what they're doing, or at least most of the time, we have to listen to, to John and, and Justin's uh, reviews to see how things are really going. But um, but there, there's a lot of interesting things going on, no matter where you stand, and you kind of like want to have your eye on things.
3: So punker obviously sold those sixteen thousand seats in the united center in chicago just by the thought that he was going to be there so when people know he's going to be there i think that uh, it'll be great obviously the pay-per-view all out's already sold out but he's in one of the main events against darby allen so i think that the buy rate is something that we're going to have to pay close attention to not just the tickets which is already sold out because they already sold out the billion i think the buy rate is going to be big for this one
2: yeah i think um certainly you get like you know don't I, I think they know not to but like even when they have the shows in Chicago beforehand not to have him in a match or like give something away like there's always like you can have a great storyline build and and that's one of the biggest payoffs but certainly like when you have somebody established come in the first time they come on screen and then their first match um, there's a lot of value to that I think that's a lot of the peaks except if somebody's in like a big feud or like you kind of you figure out a big money match.
3: So with AEW aside, let's talk about a little NWA. Are they all sold out for all their shows? I know that's coming up very, very soon. It's pretty much
2: sold out or not yet? Okay, so the um, 73rd has been sold out for a couple of weeks. Uh, Empower is um, getting really close. Um, The last WrestleTix update was... uh, 801 seats of the 856 so 94 percent a couple of days ago i think they'll sell out the power um you know have the smaller setup that they can easily expand if they need to but um those won't uh they might sell out the setup but they won't come close to the other numbers it's uh around 300 for both of those shows which i think is fair i think it's i think it's a big big win for the organization you know that weekend like you'll have two sellouts and you know decent crowds for tv tapings relatively and you're in the same place for four days and um you know there's articles uh out there with billy corgan sort of talking about establishing this as as a regular thing i don't know if it'll be four days in a row but sort of like having it become their regular place or one of their regular places maybe they'll alternate alternate between atlanta and st louis or park themselves here for a while it'll be something interesting to watch
3: with mlw speaking of them um i know we're kind of going through like who's hot who's not who, who's selling tickets who's not selling tickets mlw is it
2: canceled in dallas what's going on with that show yeah no it, it was kind of a weird thing because um you know reasonably they said like hey COVID is spreading too much in texas so um we're canceling this and you know we'll reschedule back in in the city later they had so as of that like before they canceled i had counted Um, not too much beforehand, 508 of the 512 reserved had been sold. Plus there was GA audience. Um, The seating then expanded to 688. um, And court said that there would be about 750 to 800 GA. So it looked like, you know, 1200 to 1400 potential seats. And that venue had looked great on TV, especially when they got people to throw garbage and and stuff like that after a hot Von Eric feud. So I thought that was a great building for them. But then they announced in March that, uh, March, 2022, that's when they would actually be back. And, um, and that's in a, uh, uh, a different venue at Gillies, which has hosted wrestling before. And that's a 3,800 seat venue. So that should be interesting. I think that would be a challenge to fill that one, but maybe the timing worked out better, or maybe, um, I don't know, you could get better lighting there for television. Although the NYTX arena, I think it was called, uh, is called, um, that one looked great on TV. So I don't know. Sometimes it's dates are a better deal, but usually when you, Cancel a show, you return to the same venue, but maybe that just wasn't going to work out this time. With that, it
3: is like a. Whoa. <laughs>
2: Sorry, John. Can you hear me? Yep okay there was a a major drilling that just began above
3: my head (laughs) i know it just says like wow somebody's going through the ceiling or whatever coming (laughs) down on you um is war games going to be like at a different time because i know they were planning on doing a big
2: war games yeah that's a good question you know it's hard for me to keep track of those with both like uh aew and uh, mlw that they announced these um special shows and then you know, not necessarily through a fault of their own. And then they have to, then they have to move it. um, If it's, uh, (laughs) as the drilling continues, if they have to move the show, then, uh, you know, if they would keep the same stipulations as, uh, as before.
3: With you, I know you did a poll recently. Who would you want to promote? What was the, who, well, first of all, who was in the poll that you were saying who you want to promote was MLW included in there and who won the poll?
2: Yeah. So I figured, you know, like if I would say WWE or AEW, that would be like um, a little bit easier, maybe to put them head to head would be a little, uh, would be interesting a curiosity, but I took what I thought were like the four most viable like promotions that would be touring. Um, so Impact, ROH, MLW, and GCW, and we had 82 votes. And for most of the time, uh, GCW was ahead, but then uh, Impact pulled ahead uh, at the end. So they got 41% of the votes. GCW got almost the same, 37.8, um, and then Ring and Potter and MLW were 12 and 8%, respectively. So. Um, so the question was, if you got the chance to promote one of the following brands on a 10-city U.S. tour and kept a percentage of, of the gain of merchandise, who would you choose to earn the most money? And I was surprised that uh, Impact um, ended up winning out um, just because, you know, they haven't generally done very well with, with tours um, in a while. But um, I think there's a lot of people that are just um, still very uh, dedicated to uh, to impact and the brand for me I would probably pick actually Gcw at this point just because they've proven themselves like they they know the right venues to go to and um, and they seem to sell out or nearly sell out especially of the reserve seats so it's um you know like overall the prospects certainly for like tv or whatever like no i wouldn't pick gcw they're not focused on tv but for like being a draw on a live event buzzworthy promotion right now like it's it's a pretty good bet
3: with gcw do you think that in like the long run they could outseat some of these other promotions that have not been around longer but they're perceived to be bigger promotions can they outlast them and kind of jump them
2: it's a good question. like you know it's sort of like what is mainstream anymore? Like you can you can get the buzz on the internet. you can move merchandise. Can you bring a family of four to like GCW? I guess it depends what family it is. <laughs> um, but like like they're not gonna get uh, at least, you know, I think like an international, TV deal or like compete for the TNT contract or, you know, anything like that. So I think it is somewhat limiting. Like you could have like uh, super fans and do really well in that niche. And even like, like, you know, not conflating the two, but like insane clown posse, um, uh, you know, they had, they used to have like 40,000 people come to some place like cave and rock Illinois or something. Right. Like, so just because you get 40,000 people, it doesn't make you mainstream it just means that you're really good at playing to your niche and added together when you do something special you could do really well
3: with gcw with you know like kind of the indies having a little bit of a rebirth do you think that'll die down in a few months a pandemic aside but like do you think that may die down when like people like ah, i'm kind of overgoing to shows because right now they're hot. They want to go to shows. They they want to get out. They want to do stuff. But do you think that'll kind of wane a little bit? Because indies seem like they're doing pretty good right now. Yeah, it's a good question.
2: I think, I think you have to be unique. Um, if it's a show where like you're always drawing to the niche and it's the same like buzzworthy guys coming through just in different names and it doesn't appeal, like that might not last as long. So you have to find your own way. I think like the challenge is the super indie that that used to exist, like the original version of Ring of Honor where you bring together these top names once a month and then it was like special. You'd, you'd want to sit there, sit through the five and a half hour show and people would buy the DVDs. And like now AEW has established themselves as the, the national promotion that has these top talents. So sort of like, what is the the appeal of the niche brands that don't have the top talent gcw understands their appeal very well and it's not all ultra violence but that's part of it um i think ring of honor and impact are still trying to find their way through it like joe koff keeps saying we're the best in the world but like are you really anymore and like Impact has the name, and they're sort of like their best bet is being in the shadow of AEW. So that's a hard place to be for MLW. I think they sort of know their niche well. They've established some talents that are very well protected. Although you you start seeing their names um, more legitimately on on various um, independent shows now. So I don't know, like um, you know, their champion um is he is he not going to lose to anyone like because he has like sort of a a certain um mystique now is like an unbeatable guy so like how do you protect that when he has to earn money you know working the circuit so and they also have this inconsistency challenges where they keep canceling shows due to COVID, and they were on um uh what channel is it now uh vice and then for a few weeks, and then they're taking a break, and it's not, it seems like they'll be returning, but it's not even clear yet. So, like, I think where they're going in the next two, like, let's say in the next month, will kind of shake out what's the story.
3: So, I was looking at the sheet and saying, AEW sells out. Of course, they sell. Then I was looking closely, AAW selling out. What's going on out there in the Midwest in Chicago? AAW heating up.
2: Yeah, so they—I um, saw this on LinkedIn. They said their tickets for Destination Chicago on September second are officially sold out. So, of course, you have to attribute that partially to um, All Out Weekend um, at Logan Square Auditorium, which I think is their regular venue. So, it's—it's it's a smart move to um, to bring in. Uh, you know, a show when you have all those wrestling fans in town. It's a, a proven formula for WrestleMania as long as you have something that appeals and, like, doesn't overwhelm the city. Um, you know, some of the WrestleManias, there's just so many shows going at the same time, and some people are, like, on the outskirts. Like, I remember when the WrestleMania was in New Jersey, like, they'd come out, there'd be a list that people would compile of all the shows in town, and there'd be, like, one in Staten Island and one, like, deep into like a different part of new jersey and be like i don't think you're gonna draw like the tourists to go take a bus (laughs) 45 minutes or take the ferry and then a bus or something so you kind of have to be around the main area if you're going to compete
3: with aw let's go to new japan what's going on new japan usa i know they're going to be in philly i believe in october but they're also going to be back in
2: cali again too yeah so there was a couple um california shows that um came up quick i was surprised to see them but it's good to sort of plan uh, those as well um san jose civic center um on november 13th and then riverside california the riverside municipal auditorium on november 15th so um you know both venues in terms of the setup. It looks like Riverside actually looks like it'll be a little bit over a thousand set up. San Jose looks like it'll be about 2,500 set up. So they sold between mm, as of a week or two ago, about if you were to average them like 25% of the tickets, um, which is just a few hundred. I think like we have to have lowered expectations for New Japan, USA, like sort of as they figure themselves out. I think sometimes they are still kind of getting their feet wet. Like if we look at the next few months, like, okay. So last, I think it was last month or this month, um, right. They did really well in, in California, the torch at the LA Coliseum, that was a win. Then they had a small TV taping that was sold out win there, but then they went to, they're going to Texas in a month in Garland, Texas. And they really haven't sold much of anything. Um, as of the last time I looked, that would be a struggle. Then they will be in um Philadelphia, Um, a couple weeks ago when I looked, it was just um, or uh, when I hand counted, actually, yes, Um, it was 136, 180 seats. And here in San Jose and Riverside, they're um, 389 and 438 seats sold. So, Hmm, you know, I think. Yeah, I think in November in California, they'll get there for me. My suggestion would be to stick to California for now if it's sort of like a. a regular show if you have something special to show and you know you could bring in all the talent from Japan and you have a unique appeal, maybe AW get you get some more of there talent to supplement things, although I don't know if that serves AEW best, then maybe you could do a show out of the region, but I would just stick to uh, to the coast in, in California, uh, you know, at the moment as they sort of figure themselves out. But interestingly, they kind of are the, um, in terms of a national promotion, um, depends how you count GCW, but of like uh, promotions with like big names, they're they're the most proactive right now compared to Ring of Honor. MLW um, and impact
3: with new Japan. I feel like, I don't know. Like they could be doing better in the U S but it's weird. They don't really promote it. Then they'll do two shows back to back. I mean, it's weird. Some shows they promote, some shows they don't. Like, I didn't even know they were in Philly until a buddy of mine was like, oh, Minero Suzuki? I'm like, yeah, what about him? He's like, oh, I think he's going to be in Philly for New Japan, and I think he's going to be in GCW. So I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. But it's like, I saw GCW promoting. I never saw New Japan promoting their own guy. Very strange.
2: Yeah. Like, and and that is the strength of GCW as well, where like, you take somebody from a different brand and like, just dropping them into this world like it just feels special like a, a crossover in a comic book or like a movie or something two different um intellectual properties whereas like sometimes like just being part of the regular brands you know new japan can get buzz, but like it just feels like a little bit ho-hum like with talents from new japan or if it's like a ring of honor show it's hard to like build up a buzz so i think new japan usa especially they've gone through different management iterations. I'm not sure if Rocky Romero is like, is fully in charge of that now, or or what's going on exactly, or they're sort of overseeing it by proxy from Japan, but but they can probably use someone with like more of a vision or structure to that. So um, my DMs are open (laughs) <laughs> no, but um uh you know, I think it's it's something to look at and I'll be curious to see especially these California shows how they do.
3: What about Ring of Honor? They're going to be back in Philly. Death Before Dishonor tickets going on sale soon. How is this going to sell?
2: Yes, yeah, so you know, it seemed like things picked up for them in um in Philly like after struggling for a while. I mean with, with lower expectations, so Um, WrestleTix had them the first night as 390 on August 20th. And then the second night at 482, which is 98% sold out. So maybe if a few people bought tickets right at Showtime, maybe it was an official sellout. So the, the setup was smaller, but I think that's like a small win. I would say for like recovering from that. And now here they smartly left Lakeland, Florida Kind of talking about it being due to the pandemic, which is fair because they've been very conservative about um, not bringing in fans when they didn't think it was safe and so on. So if there's enough time to promote it well, you know, as it's a pay-per-view and something they're peeking towards, you know, maybe if they set up more chairs, maybe they can do 600 or, or more. Um, but I think it'll be, it's sort of like the best option right now. It's not like too ambitious a venue and like, you'll get several hundred and, and it'll look fine on TV and you just kind of go from there with it.
3: So business wise, and obviously you'll know this a lot better than me. Why book a building two nights in a row? Are they getting some sort of discount from the building? Does it end up being cheaper? Is it smarter? Is there so much of a intake of, of fans wanting to come to the show? They had to go to two nights. Like, what well, what's the reasoning behind that?
2: Yeah, I think like logistically, it's it's cheaper. Like if you imagine like the load in and load out time, um, you know, I think a lot of these buildings aren't necessarily union, but but just like to get a truck and move things along and venues, you know, especially now, like I mean, some venues are being booked, bigger venues are being booked a lot actually, but um, but in terms of smaller venues, they're they're happy to to sort of give a discount to have two nights in a row, but generally. Um, the promotion will suffer for that. In this Ring of Honor case, it was actually they did better the second night. I remember um, for several years, like even when Ring of Honor was doing very well at the box office, like over a thousand fans per show. Like the second show was just like they even put Samoa Joe on once, like in in New York, and like the first show had sold out, and like the second show was just a few hundred, even with Samoa Joe returning like for one night. So it's not easy, but. Sometimes logistically, it just makes more sense. Like I was actually asking about, I was sort of like wondering aloud um, about AEW booking Miami two nights in a row. And um, uh, sort of like, if that makes sense because like it was the venue that they did the worst quote unquote, In it wasn't a disaster obviously, but sort of like where they did the least ticket sales because of a variety of factors when they first opened up going on the road again. And then, um, Someone I know at AW had sort of explained, sent me a, a message and explained, um, you know, how it was, uh, it made sense, um, generally uh, explained to me how it made sense, like financially um, and so on. My thinking though is it, like, I haven't done the research, but I'm curious, like if you have um, WWE, um, when they would do those double shots all the time, Raw and SmackDown, like how do they do when they return to the town? And how does it compare when they were there before the double shot? Like if it was during the attitude era, um, you know, they're running hot. It might, everything might've been sellouts, but other times it's sort of like you have your fill of the promotion. And if it's like a regular house show or taping, you know, you might just say, "Ah, I I went twice in a row. I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to go back in six weeks again.
3: There's got to be two factors to me, wallet fatigue and just wrestling fatigue. Like if, if you keep going all these shows and, and they keep running the same town, it's like, Oh, they're here again. And there's no like want, you know, like I really want to go there. If they come back, I'm desperate to go, you know, like it's like a concert that ACDs or something barely comes around. Oh, I got to go they're They're here once a year or something. You know what I mean? It just, to me, it's like, there's gotta be some fatigue there just from being a fan and just seeing too much of it. And then the wallet is gotta be feeling if you're going to be going to all these shows.
2: No, that's a great point. And like, Reminds me of something I haven't thought about for a while, like, my favorite place to see wrestling had been, like, Madison Square Garden, WWF in the 90s, and, you know, at that time, they would come back once a month, but you weren't coming back necessarily because it was WWF, they would shoot an angle at the previous show, at like, maybe the main event that actually took place before intermission. And if there was something controversial about it, they'll be like, okay, um, we just signed a rematch or now there'll be a tag team or this person will be banned from ringside because the result wasn't fair. And then you want to come back because of that. And it's not just like the brand constantly touring. With
3: 2300 being a big place and talking about fatigue, I mean, ROH is running there back-to-back. MLW is running there again after they just ran there in July. New Japan is running there. I mean, is there going to be some sort of um, fatigue there for all the Philly fans? Because this is a huge place for wrestling. But how many shows and how many people can you get in that building?
2: No, it's a great question. Like, I feel, though, if any building can be sort of like uh, hold up to it, it would be the 2300 Arena just because – it has been used like that for so many years. I don't think there has been a point where there's been the volume of national brands now passing through to have like four national brands regularly running there. And then I think there was like um, a show with Matt Hardy and and other all these other names um, that's that's having a show there too. So. If you're if you're in Philly and just going to look for wrestling, it might burn you out. But I think they have like enough of a base or like rotation appeal that are really into different types of wrestling that it might hold up. You know, you don't need that many to have like a successful show in that venue.
3: Now, when you were in Lancaster, PA, correct me if I'm wrong, you were watching some ROH over the air.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, Saturday night, 9 p.m., turned on my TV Channel 2 pops up (laughs) and it's Ring of Honor. So, like, it it was a good reminder to me that Sinclair has this big presence in terms of their local affiliates. Um, It might be, you know, any of, like, the -the over-the-air stations. They own a variety of each of them. And uh, they put Ring of Honor on. And it's not that hard to find. But it also goes to show that the local TV as we know, isn't as important as it once was, because like, if let's say in a small town like Lancaster, 9pm, Saturday night, and it probably runs three other times on that station or whatever other stations they own in the market, you're getting exposure, you're probably getting like, like ratings, like in terms of like casual views, oh, wrestling's on, okay. But I think it, it is still hard to like, then come back and draw. Like, and and that's the real challenge yeah. for them. Does that TV move pay-per-view buys, subscriptions to Honor Club, um, ticket sales in the nearest um, town that they run. And I would say no. But if it's enough to draw eyeballs and then you get sponsors and they did have, um, you know, known sponsors on, on the programming and Ring of Honor gets to keep, as a division of Sinclair, they're sort of, I think they get to keep a certain amount of the, the seconds or minutes of the ad time, then that keeps them going.
0: What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities cbp agents and officers are keeping people safe join u.s customs and border protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself learn more at cbp.gov careers
1: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win
3: that and and you were kind of joking around about some of the ads that they had on the show and and different things did you actually watch the full show were you allowed to watch this on vacation
2: i <laughs> know uh, i uh <laughs> i was just excited to see that it was on it was one of the uh i mean i think they're, they're gonna be writing this a while probably till they tape uh, at the 2300 arena, or I mean, now they have tapes and maybe this weekend or next weekend, they'll start showing some of that footage. But it was sort of when they had their last pay-per-view in Baltimore, then they did like another massive taping with no fans. And like, even now, even more so now, like to watch it with no fans, it just looked boring. And we were kind of sweating the uh, the hurricane. So I couldn't like sit and relax for an hour and watch it, even though the, the kids were asleep. Damn, you missed out.
3: So Impact, let's talk a little bit about Mr. Asper. He's hinting at uh, some deal here. He was tweeting out some insanely increasing numbers. What's going on here with Asper and Impact?
2: Yes, yeah, so we're, we're still waiting for Mr. Asper to reschedule his, his interview on our show. Unfortunately, uh, that didn't work out yet, but we're still hopeful at some point. Um, but uh, he's kind of, uh, I guess he's a little bit older and sometimes the way people use social media is a little bit different. So um, when uh, Impact had tweeted out that Steve Macklin was facing Petey Williams on August 20th on emergence, um, Len was inspired to, uh, to quote tweet that. And he said, Hey y'all I am here was busy trying to keep up with Impact launching so many new channel streams and products getting pumped things, Getting pumped things, thank you for watching in insanely increasing numbers. Getting new distribution deal coming soon. And these are all with exclamation marks. So he's not like like Court Bauer, and and he does come through with these things. As we've talked about, he's always announcing that there's something coming. And then sometimes you're like about to give up and it does come through. But Len Asper doesn't really use Twitter like that. So it just made me think like, hmm, what is going on? Like He doesn't, like, announce, like, okay, we're on Plex now. We're so excited. Um, You know, they might do a, a press release about it. So it does make me curious to be, like, what distribution deal is coming.
3: With that, sometimes, I don't know if he's really what I mean, but in the past, Impact, especially Dixie or whoever, you know, you make these grand claims or you say oh this is going to happen and then never happens never comes to fruition i guess typical promoter speak you don't think that's what's going on here
2: no i think like i mean maybe he just something about whatever outlet it's going to be excited him more than others um and usually these deals take a while but like he doesn't really tweet much and it's sort of like you know off and on if you look you know it doesn't take long to scroll back and then it's like Older posts from months and months ago just take a minute to find. So um, I think there's there's something going on, and I'm, I'm curious to see what it is.
3: MLW, like we kind of said before, and we, we brought this up, they canceled Dallas Show, moved to Gillies. With them doing stuff like that, is that going to end up hurting them in the long run? Because we were kind of saying before, like, all right, they're on Vice, they're not on Vice. Like, fans need to kind of attach themselves to them they kind of need to get a little more i don't know more shows out of them and i know they taped a bunch when i was at the 2300 arena and, and that'll last them a while but i feel like they got to keep it consistent like they, they got to make sure that if they promote something no matter what you got to hit on it you know what i mean you can't uh, ruin expectations or you can't not have a show that you promoted and moving at a venue or moving a date it's fine to a certain extent but at what point of the fans going to say ah forget about it. i i even forgot that show was happening because they changed it so many times
2: yeah no it's it's not ideal and you know if it's if it's being done for pandemic reasons like i'm not going to criticize them for it but it it does make it hard like in the long run when you're excited to go to a show and you know they were they were doing well with, with their ticket sales at that smaller Dallas venue and then you know, if it's bumped up six months, maybe you still want to go or maybe one venue appealed more than another. From what I understand, Gillies is in a, a better location, but I don't know. Um, yeah, it's hard with this inconsistency like across the board. We know they're on BN Sports, mm-hmm. um, but most people don't have that. Um, we know they had been on um, Vice. We're waiting to see if they're going to return, especially um, Dark Side of the Ring already announced their um, schedule. So yeah,
3: good trailer too. Um,
2: yeah, so I'm curious to see, um, you know, if they're going to be paired with that, and if they are, that would have to happen soon. If they're back Saturday afternoon at noon, f- you know, I would take that every day of the week. But you know, it doesn't cost you more for production; you're just running the same shows. But it is kind of a shame in terms of not getting more of an opportunity. Um, I mean, TNA, like, right, the first time they got on uh, Spike TV, it was, like, Saturday night, um, maybe at 11 or midnight, somewhere around that, and everyone was dim on their prospects, but then they showed, hey, they could draw a rating at this time, and then eventually became, like, sort of the centerpiece programming along with UFC and and did really, really well for a number of years. So, you know, you get a foot in the door, but then even with their um, digital distribution, you know, if you had watched them on um, what was, everyone was talking about how much money they were making from the deal or, you know, not specifics, but that it was a good deal for them in the zone, um, as, as you taught me, right? Another one of my yeah. mispronunciations, I would say dozen. Um, so that's done. And then they keep saying that they'll be off YouTube soon. So that, you know, so then you don't have that. So where will it be? You're right. There's like a lot of disruption, and uh, you know they have to settle in. I think once, if the if and when they do, let's say in a month, then they'd be off and running. But you sort of have to get going.
3: So, the Dark Side of the Ring, September 16th, returned at 9 p.m. Season three will have seven episodes: The Plane Ride from Hell, Chris Canyon, FMW, Johnny Canine, Luna Vashon, XPW, and the Steroid Trials. And yes, Jerry McDivitt will make an appearance on one of these episodes. I'm going to guess it's a steroid trial episode. That's going to be very, (laughs) very uh, intense to say the least. Love Jerry. Great guy. Um, But will MLW have programming uh, alongside Dark Side of the Ring? Because I think that that would be huge. I think that's what you need. I think that if they can kind of massage that and make that happen, that would be great. You get the full night of wrestling and then we get more eyeballs on MLW because Dark Side of the Ring is very popular.
2: Yeah, I think that's the real test in question. And, um, you know, and they have the footage uh, ready to go. So, you know, if it's going to happen anytime soon with Vice, that that would be it. Otherwise, you know, if they're still being picked up by Vice, then, you know, you go with that. But like, I wouldn't have high hopes for it unless like they're able to prove themselves further down the road
3: now let's go on to a little bit of lucha nike air force one what is going on they have lucha libre inspired nike shoes
2: yeah so you know as we talked about a few um episodes ago like lucha libre it's sort of like it's in the culture not only mexican culture but in the u.s it's very you know well established sort of like everyone recognizes like oh that's a wrestling (laughs) mask, a lucha mask so um the lucha libre blazer mid-air max 90 and the past 2006 af1 and dunk high i'm not a sneakers guy so like sorry if you are a huge fan of that but you know they look really cool to me they do look like a mask um and i could see someone wanting to collect them if somebody wanted to give me a pair i would i would think it would be cool um to have them but like look a huge brand like nike and And that's what they're featuring. It just goes to show how well-established Lucha Libre is. And it also goes to show that it's still sort of like a missed opportunity in the U.S. The right formula hasn't been there yet. Like Rey Mysterio, certainly in WWE, has carried a flag for many years. But other efforts specifically with like Lucha on television haven't really penetrated much except like short bursts going back to uh at least to triple A AAA in LA where they had some really hot shows and of course you have Mil Mascaris in late 60s or 70s, but there hasn't been like a well-established promotion or um television show that was lucha-centric and um yeah and and people are still trying to figure out that formula
3: with another kind of lucha thing is there a museum in El Paso coming to be for the Lucha Libre?
2: Yes. So um, the, let's see here. It's a it's, it's an exhibit at the El Paso Museum of History. So you see this every once in a while at, at different museums, like something um, paying respects or homage to Lucha Libre. So yeah. Um, I was joking that it said face masks are required. So I think it should be Lucha Libre, face masks are required.
3: With that uh, museum, you are going to be going?
2: Um, El Paso, you know, I've never been to Texas. Uh, Now now might not be the time, but uh, depending on on how long, uh, uh, you know, (laughs) how long the exhibit lasts, you know, that would be, I would love to go, it would be cool.
3: Damn, I've been to San Antonio a few times. I've been to Dallas. It's pretty nice down there. It does get extremely hot and humid during the uh, the summer months, but very nice. A lot of uh, good places to eat and drink down there. That's for sure. Um.
2: Yeah, like a lot of wrestling fans, all my geography is contextualized. But, uh, San Antonio, home of Shawn Michaels, Alamo Dome, <laughs> <laughs> Royal yep, Rumble. <laughs> yep,
3: yep. It's funny, the actual Alamo, you don't realize it. Insanely small, like just in your mind, thinking it's going to be this huge thing. It's pretty damn
2: small. <laughs> they were in a draw, no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I guess not. But it's <laughs> funny, uh, obviously in San Antonio, legendary from the Blanchard family and Tully, and, and obviously his father and uh, Texas wrestling down there in San Antonio, Texas.
2: Good point. And the first promotion on, on USA Network, what could have been?
3: Yep, good point. Hey, that El Paso Museum, they better have a lot of uh, Gory Guerrero stuff in there and Eddie Guerrero stuff, I would hope. Nice. I hope. Hope and pray. So you you had here some local press, but no talent was announced. What is this for? What's going on? Is this Fusion Pro Wrestling returning?
2: Yeah, so, you know, of course, local pro wrestling shows all over the place, and um, everyone's always looking for local press. I just thought it was a little bit notable, like Fusion is is having a, a show in Sylvania or Sylvania in the Augusta area. And um, you know, they covered them, but um the promoter had no talent to announce, so like you would have to be wanting to go just because it was pro wrestling, which uh, wouldn't it wouldn't preclude me from going. I probably would go if I could, um, but like you know, you have it's it's a missed opportunity. You get some local press, people that don't follow wrestling, maybe they'd be curious if they recognize a the name or two. But here, you didn't have anything to announce. I
3: feel like sometimes that's not the right way to go about it. <laughs> yeah have some talent like so people actually believe that this show whatever you would rather put on is actually going to happen and it's not just uh, bs
2: yeah or at least say like past shows have included the following people so we're we're hopeful of, of having similar talents appear maybe you don't want to disappoint people i guess too if, if you're going to be in that area but hopefully um there's enough people that just want to see pro wrestling or, or fusion
3: what about U.S. promotions that have exceeded 1 million viewers over the last 30 years? What is this all about, Lottie?
2: So it just got me thinking as, um, you know, uh, AEW's recently regularly exceeding 1 million. So not in terms of necessarily a an average, so not all the time, just that you've exceeded a million viewers once or more. So since since 1983 right like let's say like i know wrestling at the chase actually i tweet i tweeted that recently from an article they had gotten about a hundred thousand so i don't know like when before wrestling was taking off national tv let's say like gorgeous george i don't think there was as many televisions so i don't know if you would have gotten that number and then before wrestling went dark you know i don't know maybe on wide world of sports like as a feature on wrestling Maybe that exceeded a million, but in terms of wrestling promotions, we'd have to look from from 1983 and above in the U.S. to kind of see. Obviously, WWF, WCW, um, but also when you think about it, the Crockett NWA um, shows the um, and any pretty much the promotions in in various names that have been on TBS, unless it was like the short lived um, split on Saturday mornings, but for example, um, our friend David Bix had uh, tweeted out, last year, I just had found this, that in 1983, Mr. Wrestling's two mask was on the line, and it was watched by 1.49 million people at that time. Um, so then it reminded me also, for the two months or six weeks, that um, Bill Watts's UWF was on TBS. I think it was the highest rated or one of the highest rated shows on cable. So I'm going to assume that that show exceeded a million as well. We had ECW on TNN. Um, Their highest rated show, actually in a timely um, discussion, did about the same as the AEW uh, Rampage that had CM Punk on it. Um, Of course, AEW is regularly exceeding a million now, and we often forget about it, TNA and Impact. um, Once they had established themselves in prime time on Spike, uh, they were regularly doing over a million, Um, and uh, the one show where they (laughs) had put everyone out there and sort of like they never recovered from it, the Monday night show with Hogan and Flair and Jeff Hardy and I'm just saying the nasty boys because I remember they were there, not, not saying they drew the rating, although we wish a, uh, a speedy recovery to Knobs. Uh, to uh, that show did 2.2 uh, million at the time.
3: So, with Bix, and, and it's funny what he was saying, basically his point was like wrestling used to be a lot more popular, which was pretty crazy.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you What do you do when you win?
2: Especially like pre WWF expansion, like in in like the quickly growing days of like cable television, like in the early eighties when not too many people had it, it's it's easy to forget just how popular wrestling was on TBS because there it was only in twenty-two million homes. So you had more than ten percent of the people that had cable. Um watching not more than 10%, but um, a fair amount of people watching wrestling that that had access to cable. So like if you can't, you know, if you're a big wrestling fan, maybe you got cable because you wanted to watch it. So you can't like multiply it by four or five. But you know, that might be the equivalent of like, maybe an attitude error number for WWF, like a six or seven million at that time.
3: It's funny too. Uh, people were saying that I don't like Bix. I was talking to Bix yesterday. I have no problem with him. So, uh, that false rumor out there about uh, me not liking him. He's a, he's just fine. Um, yeah. but
2: you're yeah. good at navigating, um, the cross sections from, <laughs> uh, from Russo to Meltzer, from, from Keller to, you know, uh, everyone, uh, all the different wrestlers, anyone that's had rivalry, uh, You sort of like bring it back to set. True, I'm friendly
3: with the cornet too. I mean, I don't don't really have any problem with anybody really associated with wrestling. So got to set that record straight for for sure. But it's just funny, like when you talk about like how wrestling used to be so popular, I think everybody is like, whatever is going on today is always the most popular and always the best. But man, wrestling at one point had so many different territories with all these guys making a living from just working in a specific territory. But that just goes to show you, It was more popular at one point. There was actually somehow more money at one point. Nobody was making as much money as Vince, you know, one entity, but all spread around. They're making so much money. Like, hey, you know, if you're working over in Portland, you don't need to leave Portland and you're, you know, making a hundred grand a year, whatever it is. And you, you know, you own a house and you own a car and you got a family and everything else and you're surviving and living. So
2: wrestling definitely,
3: definitely was more popular then. Although, who knows? Hopefully, it can get back to being uh, that great again.
2: And you know what I was curious and thinking out loud about is, remember um, Global on ESPN in the afternoons? Like everyone I know remembers watching that as a kid after school. So like everyone remembers it. Like we've never seen any ratings for it. I know it was in the afternoon, but it was just like, it was like the ultimate kids programming if you liked wrestling. I feel like they must have done really well in the ratings, but nobody's ever shared what those ratings were.
3: I would love to know that. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Um, Let's talk about SWE Fury. What is this? They're having some sort of Facebook pay-per-view. What is that all about?
2: Yeah, so Facebook is now, like, I don't know how long it's been around, but they're kind of getting into more now, like, trying to get. um,
3: You can, like, monetize on there, basically? Yeah, like,
2: you could monetize it, like, you could run a pay-per-view on there. So like someone could pay through Facebook and you just stream the show completely on Facebook, which I could see that like for some promotions, like doing really well. Like, you know, if you have um, millions of followers and it's kind of casual, like if if they're on your followers are on Facebook, you're then trying to point them towards fight or I pay-per-view or whatever it is to buy your product. But if your best platform is Facebook, that's um, a great place that there's no attrition. You just have to get people to want to click to put their credit card in if they haven't and, and click buy. So, um, you know, it's an interesting experiment. But at the same time, um, the company is going through changes. Like we've often talked about the, um, the good local um, television that they had um, in all the... Texas markets and surrounding areas. And now it seems like that's being dropped from what I read, I think, in the Observer. So I'm curious now, like, was it paid programming? Like, whenever a promotion establishes themselves quickly on local television, you know, that's something that I think about. How did they get on there so quick? Um, But it would be a change because it seemed like they were doing well. They had some momentum. I'm not sure if Teddy Long is gone now. I'd have to go back to the Observer to see. What the reporting was, but I'm curious, but I'd like to see, uh, you know, Lacey Von Erich is, um we were talking last time as a part owner now, so yeah, yeah. I'd like to see her do well, but I'm not sure what all the changes are about.
3: It's interesting because they have that world class, which is completely separate from them, that world class league that almost seems like she would fit in more because it's called world class, but she's obviously part owner in this SW Fury and has really nothing to do with that world class. But in my head, I'm thinking like, Oh, Von Eric world class. She almost should be in that league.
2: You'll have to get her on the next podcast.
3: I'm going to have to find out. Hey, what are you doing? Get You got to get over to world class (laughs) with, that is that a good financial thing or is this like so ground floor we don't know if facebook pay-per-views and monetizing off facebook is going to be great
2: yeah i had seen that they had some like they were doing like some less ambitious events like let's say like i forgot if it was world's strongest man or arm wrestling something like you could see like a really hardcore audience like smaller than pro wrestling like to see how that would go and maybe like a some races or i wish i had the article saved we might have talked about it a a long time ago but um but i think like it makes sense like i remember um there was this group and i went to one of their shows fwe family wrestling entertainment Mm -hmm. Uh, and they bring in great talent and i don't know like if they paid for a lot of facebook ads or how they did it i think it still exists on facebook like and they have like Six hundred thousand likes but it was like a small promotion in new york they had like the young bucks they did like a special dvd with them at the time and so on so like if a promotion like this still existed and you have like half a million or more fans on facebook and if a successful eye per view is for a small promotion is a thousand buys at ten or fifteen dollars and you get to keep ten thousand dollars like like you know it's hard to say like if if we only drew like one percent of the audience it would would have to be like a point oh one or point five like percent but like you know i could see that making money if you have like an engaging promotion where they they see your facebook updates and there's something that appeals that people want to hit by to me, it's,
3: I'm always curious too. Like you said, like they have so many likes. How the hell does everybody know about them? Like, is, is that legit? I <laughs> mean, it seems like such a small promotion to have so many likes. You know what I mean? They're not national promotion
2: or anything yeah. like that. They were like, they were here and then they were gone and they spent a lot of money on like bringing in national talent. So, my guess would be that you know, at the time it was a little bit easier to do it. Like, you buy Facebook likes, like, you like wrestling, you like WWE, you like. TNA at the time and then like keep serving people ads and then you'll get people to hit like, but you know, do you, get if it costs you a dollar to get each person, you know, do you ever get to see that money again? That's, that's the real question.
3: With, you know, talking about going back to the, the post pandemic shows and like the ticket sales and everything. So obviously like we always say, AW hottest ticket in town, they're doing great. It seems like ROH still struggling for whatever reason. GCW is hot. Uh, New Japan USA got to start promoting more because they sold out the one show, but then they don't promote the rest of the show. So it seems like they need to get a better hold on things. To me, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, OK, it looks pretty good. But I just hope nothing happens COVID-wise or pandemic-wise that would hurt it because... AEW's got a show, seventeen thousand coming up. Then they got you know five thousand, five thousand, five. You know they get a bunch of shows, just hoping nothing like that affects the the hot streak that they're on. You know they could be bad booking and it could simmer down and, and whatever. But I feel like I just hope that nothing
2: as far as outside things hurt the business because they no, don't. The business does not mean that right now. Yeah, and I was sort of like wrapping myself myself in the like COVID news for like. Months or I guess more than a year, and like now that doesn't seem like it'll get better or sometimes worse, unfortunately. Um, like I just not watching as closely, but my my feelings are like and pleased that this never happens, but if there's like a, um another variant that just totally breaks through, then like and then you kind of have to start from scratch, right? Or like or re- reconfigure things. But if it's like Delta or even, you know, something around that um, breakthrough cases, like the cities that are vaccinating people, like you're having infection rates go up, but people aren't, it's dangerous, but people aren't being hospitalized at the same rate. So like those systems aren't failing. So like those cities that would be the first to shut down, the people are getting vaccinated. So they're less likely. And then on the other side, the places that aren't doing well they're just going to keep things open anyway so if you want to come to the town you can come but it's up to the promoter to decide you know the risk versus the reward or start pointing your shows away from those towns so we've already started seeing the latter in terms of promoters at least you know in terms of the the story that's coming out there with ring of honor and and mlw saying like no we're not going to run these areas right now will will be back another time or we're just canceling um, otherwise i don't see like i don't see a show in queens being canceled for aw or or in chicago just because of the the vaccination rates are so high
3: so i was just thinking about this because we're always talking about this sells well that sells well and people are always pumping up like oh sell out i had to sell out Back when, you know, our, our heyday, the golden era of fans, it would almost be a story if it wasn't a sellout. You know what I mean? During, during certain eras. So, yes, it's good, but I would want to hope it gets back to the days of don't worry about it if it sold out. Worry about it if it didn't sell out. Like I want you know, to, to flourish and do better. So I was just thinking of, of a house show that I went to at the end of 98. It was really a Sunday night heat tape, which was weird. This is how popular they were. They had a separate taping for Sunday night heat than they would for Raw and obviously SmackDown would be to come. But it was just funny. It's like little old Sunday Night Heat garnered a 4.5 rating for for that show. But the dark match of the show was, and it was the reason we went, it was in Philadelphia at at that time called the First Union Center. You had to get tickets to this show. They would give you a flyer to get tickets for WrestleMania 15. And when we got the flyer, we immediately sent the tickets. We got first row. So that's we were very, very good foresight. We were very smart fans at that point. The dark match main event, Steve Austin defeats Kane, The Rock, and Undertaker in a fatal four-way with Big Boss Man as the referee. Special stunners to Vince and Shane McMahon. Shane times about, I think, 18 stunners. Awesome show, but it's just funny to think like that show. Okay, 20,000 people in attendance in Philly for a Sunday night heat taping with a dark match featuring Steve Austin.
2: No, that's a great point. And those shows were fun when you'd have like the, I guess you'd call it quadruple thread or yeah, um, yeah. or like they'd have like random tag team Fatal Four Ways and stuff. yep, yep. Or like even when it was so hot, you'd be like, "Okay, Steve Austin against Haku at the Garden, sold out. Steve Austin against the Bossman at the Garden, sold out." Like it didn't really matter just because the product yep. was was so hot. And it's a great point. Like, and also what I was thinking when you were talking about it is like. What constitutes a sellout, right? Like now you you put like a huge ramp and you're like draping behind it. And like for like SmackDown, you'd be like, Madison Square Garden is sold out at 10,000 fans. I'd be like, wait, the garden holds 20,000, <laughs> you know? So like what, right? It used to be like looking at that. But right, like when I was a kid, like my vision of like what WWF and wrestling was was skewed as well because like I mentioned, I would go mostly to Madison Square Garden and it would look you know it wasn't always sold out but in the early 90s it would look pretty full so i figured wherever they went it, you know whatever philadelphia chicago maybe that was the same but i didn't even realize that much about these small areas it was only like 92 93 when they were like we're taping in a casino in upstate new york uh, and i'd be like what like it was suddenly like i remember. Um, Sean Walkman was talking about how he could tell the company had fallen so far because they were taping Raw at a high school gym. And you could see the big clock behind you, kind of like it was an independent show.
3: Ah, damn. Yep. Times were changing and the business was uh, going a little bit uh, downhill, obviously, compared to where they were in that golden era of the Hogan era. But they would see that again with Steve Austin and those crazy, crazy crowds. And that was an awesome Sunday Heat taping slash like house show. That, that I tend to Great stuff. But let's head towards the plugs. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 2ManPowerTrip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. Of course, Patreon. Patreon.com slash tmptempire. Lavi, what do you got?
2: Sure. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Lavi Marg, L A V I E M A R G, and check out my longer form articles on lioncubjobsearch.com.
3: All right, great stuff as always, Lavi. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you right back here next week for a little business of the business. See you next
1: see.